Greetings, you're on Deep Background for December 7th. We're back, back in the uh, podcast world. I'm Dave Helling with the Kansas City Star. Uh, regular listeners will know we took a bit of a, a hiatus after the stunning results of the November election, and but we're regrouped. We're back for a, a discussion of what's going on in our world. We've actually had some long talks about what Uh, Deep Background is going to look like in the next couple of months going forward, and we're going to broaden the uh, footprint a little bit beyond just politics to uh, other things of interest in the community, but we'll get back to that in a little bit. But today... For now, it's Scott Cannon, my colleague at the Kansas City Star. Hey. And Lindsay Wise, who is the uh, Kansas City Star's Washington correspondent in the McClatchy, D.C. Bureau. Lindsay, great to have you with us. Thanks. Great to be here. And we're going to talk about what's going on in the national picture. We wanted Lindsay to be here, A, because the Cannon-Helling-Kraske crew was far too male-dominated, <laughs> and plus, Lindsay is smarter than all of us put together, so it's great to have you here. Well, I think we're almost exactly a month after Election Day, and um, I th- in Kansas City, you still, Lindsay, sense uh, a bit of unreality about the Trump election. People are still coming to grips with it in a way. It must be amazing in Washington. How is Washington dealing with the idea of President Donald Trump? Honestly, uh, I think a lot of the coverage of the Trump transition is actually in New York. So a lot of my colleagues who cover the um, administration, the White House, they've been spending a lot of time in Trump Tower. But how about Washington? What about official Washington? Senators, congressmen, you know, federal... Career Washington. Career Washington. They must be exhilarated, terrified. What? What? How are they seeing the un- incoming Trumpistas uh, taking over their domain? I think my sense is that people are still just really trying to figure out what it all means. Um, no, and Trump is a bit of a cipher for folks, even though he's you know clearly tweeting all the time and <laughs> uh, making a lot of news every time he opens his mouth or makes another appointment. And um, there's kind of been this whole circus around almost like reality TV show feel to his um, nomination process. And uh, so I think they're in Washington, everyone, you know, from Republican lawmakers to lobbyists to um, activists and think Democrats, Democrats, right, Democrats, Democrats of course, right. like, but I feel like everybody when, you know, they just honestly don't know what Trump really is going to prioritize and if he's going to delegate to someone like Pence and so it'll, or, or Ryan or McConnell, or if he is going to kind of go rogue sometimes. Um, And I think, and obviously there's going to be a lot of theatrics. He's already made some moves and announcements and tweets that have um, been really uh, kind of a whole departure from what you usually see from an incoming president like the carrier. You know, watching what cipher he is, because you think even of the, um, you know, I check his tweets every morning in in a way that you wouldn't, I would, I I never checked Obama's tweets that I recall. I do have to check Claire McCaskill's tweets on a regular basis. So so he tweets, was it a week ago yet? Uh, uh, He crammed so much news into a cycle, but about the flag burning. Yeah, he said he would strip the citizenship of people who burn the flag, which is constitutionally protected. Even Anton Scalia, you know, in the Supreme Court had said that got to allow people to burn the flag. That's the Constitution. That's the First Amendment. But yeah, Trump kind of doesn't really seem to right, care that he, much what the Constitution says as far as, um, you know, those kinds of things. I think some people have postulated that maybe he's um, making these kinds of statements to distract from other news that... Uh, that is coming out that maybe is not favorable to him, like news about the, the Trump Foundation or news about um, conflict of conflict interest. Of interest that, yeah. So, but I, I don't know if it's really that calculated. I think you know it doesn't you know, feel that calculated to me because take the the uh, Air Force One controversy. 
comes right after somebody at Boeing had said something discouraging about him. And with the, again, back mm -hmm. with the flag thing, it's it's the cipher in the sense of do you take this, you know, do you take him seriously and literally on what he says? I, I don't really take it that he's going to be pushing through legislation to ban flag Well, burning. it wouldn't yet, get very far because he'd have to actually change the Constitution. Right. But, yeah, I mean, I think that... Um, I think that what we're seeing with it is a bit of a, like a ringmaster and like a, you know, top hat kind of just, yeah. you know, well, getting my people. own experience in Washington, Lindsay and, and Scott, is uh, Washington can deal with the left, the right, the center, but they but it hates uncertainty. I mean, it just mm -hmm. hates not knowing or not being able to figure. And I think uncertainty defines Donald Trump. I yes. mean, it, 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 there's no thread. If you look at his appointments, his statements. The whole month since Election Day, it doesn't seem as if there's any thread that connects anything yeah. other than maybe he likes hardliners. Well, he likes he's been people. really, really full of praise for Obama lately, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been he's made comments that seem to be, you know, a little bit, I don't know, harsher on Ryan and McConnell just saying like, you know, that they love him now, you know, yeah. as opposed to before, I guess. But don't he you get the forgotten. sense, you know, when he appoints a Jeff Sessions, when he appoints a Bud Car uh, 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 Carson, ben Carson. Mm -hmm. a ben Carson to HUD, <laughs> uh, <laughs> when he uh, when he appoints a Mad Dog Mattis to defense, those are all what I call hardliners. They may be conservative, or no, but but they certainly don't see things. It doesn't seem like in shades of gray. It's all right. right or wrong, yes or no. There's no That's orthodoxy it. to it, right? Right, but it, but it, but he likes strong personalities, people who have a, a you know take a position, sort of stick with it. Um, but beyond that, there's no common thread at all. There's nothing that you can say. Okay, he's right. he you know he picked this person because he wants to get rid of Medicare or he wants to invade Iraq or whatever. And I think that's going to drive official Washington I, out of its mind. I will mind, say you know? I had a, an interesting experience um, before I came here um, last week. I was on the Hill, and you know you see the senators coming and going from the floor, and PB reporters corner them and ask them questions. And uh, John McCain, uh, who usually likes to stand there and hold court and talk to reporters until the cows come home. Um, was talking, answering some questions, and somebody asked him about, I believe it was the flag burning or something related. It was right after that tweet and um, asked him about Trump. And he just said, I don't have to talk about Trump. I don't want to talk about Trump. You know, I'm a United States senator. I don't have, like, he, he said this and kept getting in this poor, poor girl's face who was asking him this question, just saying, like, you know, I don't have to answer questions about Trump. That's not my job. Like, and just kind of, like, stormed off. Right. Um, I think that there is definitely, like, as you said, like, official Washington kind of hates um, uncertainty. And I think when you ask, um, even, like I said, Republican lawmakers who are in control, you know, what's going to happen with this promise uh, for the transportation um, or infrastructure bill stimulus? And what's going to happen with, you know, his policies on trade? I mean, I think you have... Or the wall. Have, or right, or the wall. I, I don't think they really know. And I, I think he's sent some different signals. Like, for example, um, just in this time interview that just came out, he indicated that he expects the whatever infrastructure bill that they passed to be really a stimulus bill. He said sometimes you have to um, I'm trying to prime the pump is the language that he used. Now, Republicans have for years, years and years fought the idea of a stimulus in the traditional sense where you have federal dollars um, being, you know, in sent and injected into the economy. Um, and what they would prefer, I think, um, from a policy standpoint and have for a long time is more of like a public-private partnership or, you know, tax breaks to right. encourage companies to invest. Um, 
And uh, and so it will be interesting to see if he if he really follows through on that. One of his big promises during his campaign will he end up, you know, going up against his own party on the Hill? And how's that going to work out? So I think that there's definitely you know there's also some other reforms he's proposed related to uh, lobbying and lawmakers and people in his administration who are allowed to lobby or have to take a pledge or you know wanting to change the rules and make the amount of time longer between when lawmakers leave the job and when they can lobby and. Uh, and also, he's discussed turn limits, and McConnell has basically said, no, that's yeah. not happening. So there are some places where you could see some potential confrontations happening. Yeah. He, uh, Donald Trump promised to drain the swamp. He's now in the swamp. And you do get a sense, Scott, that all members are sort of trying to stake out whatever uh, – position they can relative to Trump to understand him. You mentioned John McCain. Lindsey Graham has said some pretty, uh, you know, nasty things about the president-elect, and yet local members are a little more circumspect. I mean, we're in for some of that for some time, aren't we, where everybody tries to understand Trump. And by the way, an environment in which logic and and previous statements are irrelevant to him. Now, they may be relevant to us. We might say, you promised a wall. You, But you get the sense with Trump that None of what he said before, one way or another, matters at all. Well, I guess what it matters, what the question is going to be, how much does what he say, how much will that translate into an actual policy? Do we know the answer to that? No, because we don't know how much he's delegating and who he's really trusting. I mean, you get a sense that, like today, again, he was, again, the time interview that he did for Man of the Year, he talked about um, doing something to help dreamers, you know, the kids who (laughs) were born in the United, who were born outside the United States and brought here here illegally when they were children. And Obama had provided a route for them to remain in the states and and be legal through an executive action. Well, Trump could easily, the first day in office, basically, you know, know, end that executive order and all these kids could be deported. They've actually given their names and addresses uh, and contact information to the government to be part of this program. But, you know, he just indicated that maybe he won't do that. So it's (laughs) going to be like, well, he wants to build a wall. So like what's going on? It's really I think everyone's trying to read the tea leaves, um, both whether in talking in terms of stimulus, in terms of you know, what he says when he actually, whether he actually means it or if he's just sort of saying one thing and is going to let Mike Pence run the country. Right. And he doesn't to- seem at any in, at any level worried about how we see, not, not just we as reporters, but sort of the industry around government sees any of that stuff. That suggests an exhausting four years with President Trump. So, right. Yeah. I, one of the big questions for me, and you might have some sense from Capitol Hill, is will, will the tr- Trump administration pursue their own legislative agenda, or will they just react? And basically, you know, McConnell and Ryan will pass what they right. want to pass, and he'll sign it. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's laissez-faire in that sense. You bring it to me, I'll look at it and decide. Because yeah. he, he doesn't, he hasn't, wasn't in the campaign, and does in his personal life doesn't seem driven by policy ideas. Right. As in the way that Ryan is, and you and I were talking about this yesterday, Lindsay, you get the sense that a guy like Ryan has been waiting for this all his whole life. You know, now we have Republican majorities. Now we have a, what appears to be a compliant president who, as Scott suggests, is not that focused on policy. Now I can do Medicare. Now I can block grant food stamps. Now mm-hmm. I can do Medicaid. Now, I, you know, all the things on this list that they've passed for years and years that get nowhere now are going to get somewhere maybe. But you were suggesting that maybe not, maybe 
the President Trump will stand up against some of that. I stuff. don't know that he'll stand up against it. It'll be interesting. You do wonder, though, um, I know I've talked to some uh, activists and advocates in Washington, for example, like consumer protection advocates who worked really hard to pass Dodd-Frank, um, the Wall Street reform bill, um, and are worried that now it'll be dismantled. That was something that Trump right. has said during the election. Um, but he actually has, um, but these advocates were, were a little bit hopeful, you know, because he is such a mystery um, and how he really thinks and whether he's persuadable, they thought, well, maybe we can make a case to him that, for example, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which, you know, went after Wells Fargo for ripping off consumers, which goes after debt collectors and payday lenders, um, you know, and tries to get them to play by the rules and treat people fairly. You know, they were saying maybe he can be persuaded that the people who voted for him really benefit from these institutions. Boy, that's a tough deal. I mean, yeah, there's a I think I hear a lot of that, which is maybe he won't be so bad on the environment. Maybe he won't be so bad on on support programs for the poor. There's it seems like there because he's such a cipher, it seems like there's uh, a lot of wishful and perhaps fanciful thinking that a guy like Paul Ryan could drive a truck through. Right, Scott, or not right? Well, that's what I, I, I guess I anticipate that, that more than him sending bills to the Hill. Oh, right, yeah. he'll just respond. Well, I guess my question is, if he gets the feeling that some of these things that Ryan um, proposes uh, are become unpopular, either in the long run or even in the short term with people, uh, or make his, his own supporters nervous, like the privatization of Medicaid or, um, you know. Or Medicare. Yeah, Medicare. Sorry, yeah, I should have right, said Medicare. Right. Yeah, um, he wants to block grant Medicaid. Um, but or, you know, cuts to food stamps or um, things like, uh, you know, th- things like, you know, even just doing away with Obamacare, like a lot of people want to see Obamacare changed, but tossing it out the window entirely could put a lot of people um, right. off the uh, but don't, but Lindsay, don't you see a lot of wishful thinking on Obamacare, too? Like, well, maybe mm-hmm. he won't get rid of this part. Maybe. Again, nobody, I mean... The, well, he has said, the, yeah, he's said that. I mean, he said there are things yeah, he wants to keep. but what he says right. doesn't... <laughs> right, no, what I understand is that the question, I guess what I'm trying to get to, Ed, is that um, if there seems to be, like, when, when you're in power, like the Republican Party is now, with all, I think, the most branches, like the most control over government since the 1920s uh, for that party, I mean, you basically, you break it, you own it. So if any of these things become unpopular with either the white working class that, you know, or other people who um, really voted in droves for Donald Donald Trump, like, will he feel like, will he kind of throw him to the wolves? Will he say, oh, that's not what I wanted you to do? Or if they don't, you know, follow along with some of his promises or make or make decisions that he feels make him look bad? I mean, will he go and tell him you're fired? I don't know. I mean, and that I remains think, a sim, uh, the central mystery. As right. We sit here I don't think later. he's interested in like micromanaging anything um, that would shock me, like especially, you know, we were talking yesterday about how a lot of the deals that are done on Capitol Hill, the legislation writing, it's like 11 dimensional chess. Like right, right. these are people like McConnell, Reed, you know, um, Ryan, whoever, like they're really good at a lot of stuff that is very complicated and you know, getting really sausage making that I don't think Donald Trump is interested in. But at the same time, Donald Trump has a habit of like, you know, he's not going to play 11 dimensional chess the way that like by the rules, like upset the board and have a tweet storm or whatever. Yeah. So what what it's the day that somebody like Ryan, he feels or McConnell crosses him. Is he just going to tweet about them and, you know, like in a negative way that could hurt the party? I don't know. Or or or. It's, it's possible he won't even know he's been crossed. That's I mean, true. his own <laughs> understanding of the process 
and the people around him. emotionally like, invested in. Yeah, and it doesn't sound like, you know, I guess Rance Priebus, the chief of staff, has some sense of that, but he's not surrounding himself with Washington veterans who understand right. how the game is played at all. Again, that suggests a very tumultuous first 100 days or so, Scott. Yeah, I don't know about the first 100 days. I, I see the administration, and Lindsay, you'd have better insight here, but the, the, what's going to drive things is the House primaries. Because Trump's popularity and unpopularity, I think, is baked in the cake. That, that the Democrats who voted against him will just loathe him more with each passing day. And that all the people who voted for him, time has shown, are, are cool with whatever he decides to go, even if it's different from where right. it was mm -hmm. last week. So what's who's got the political motivation here? It's the, the you know... The House member who's worried about their primary, or the Senate member who's worried about their primary, and so they'll that'll that sounds like pushing things to the right, and mm -hmm. that the, the, the Ryan-like agenda will have Except a good deal of success. Yeah. yeah, I guess if, I've noticed that well, the Democrats the, seem though to have chosen they're going to choose their battles. Um, and yeah, but what can they do anyway? Well, for example, like the question about Medicare privatization um, and how that might play out. I mean, they're definitely going to fight that in the Senate. They can hold it up for quite a while if they want, um, unless the rules change. So I think like, and also they can just make a big stink. I mean, I think there's a lot of Americans who like when it comes down to understanding what Medicaid privatization or say privatization of the VA services might mean, might, you know, maybe they'll have to wait until it actually affects them. I don't know. But there might be people who, who get nervous about that. I mean, I think there are dyed-in-the-wool supporters on both sides who are kind of immovable, as you said. But I wonder if the, I mean, he didn't, in the end, the rate, the margins by which he won, even in the states that put him over the top, were not huge. So you wonder right. if the, either, there were definitely a lot of Democrats who stayed home. There were people who voted for Obama last time, who voted for Trump this time. So the people that are the swing voters, I don't know if they're quite as, you know, unpersuadable as the sort of like hardcore supporters on yeah, either let side. Let me ask you about uh, our local representatives, uh, Roy Blunt, who won re-election in November, um, you know, Jerry Moran, Pat Roberts, of course, on the Kansas side, and Kevin Yoder, a Republican, Sam Graves. None of the people here locally on the Republican side seem to be particularly enthusiastic supporters of Donald Trump. I mean, they, they came around and but they sort of went into a yeah, corner. No one was, a, was an original supporter right. of Donald Other Trump. Other than Chris Kobach, which right. I want to get to in a minute. But by and large, the hierarchy in both states, what does that mean? Do they get frozen out? Do they, do they, will they have a seat at the table? Do they want a seat at the table? Think, do they sort of cultivate their own gardens going forward and let, let Trump be Trump? Well, I think how, everybody, everybody was very careful on both delegations in Missouri and Kansas on the um, Republican side were very careful not to criticize Trump during the campaign. Blunt was under a lot of pressure to do so because he was in a really competitive race right. to distance himself from Trump. Oh, and, and but he, he didn't, uh, he only did it a couple Blunt. times. Right, yeah. and Trump may have pulled Blunt over. I mean, Trump right. Blunt won by three points when in a state. Trump right. won by nineteen, so he owes something to Donald Trump in a way. Well, it's interesting. Um, I, I mean, basically. Although now he's back in for six years, so right. he'll go past the next election where whatever happens to Trump happens to Trump won't affect Blunt. But um, I do think that uh, Roberts, for example, is really interesting. Um, he uh, actually joined like an advisory committee uh, for Donald Trump, like sort of on, late on in the ag, campaign yeah. on agriculture. And he has he clearly I mean, he told me that uh, he helped. Um, you know, I guess, like, spoke to the transition team to help get Mike Pompeo 
um, through, I guess, the vetting process uh, for CIA director. So he clearly got some people that he knows that he's in touch with and trying to influence that transition process. But you look at um, him and you look at some of these policies, some of which are coming from, you know, a certain part of his own party, like the Ryan side, um, where you basically like I know that in the past he's not been in favor of block granting uh, food stamps. But as far as the Trump uh, administration goes, you know, the, the anti-trade message of Trump is very um, different than itself, what, right. yeah, that goes very much against what Roberts, Moran, and, and Roy, uh, Blunt. Roy Blunt have have been in favor of the TPP and all, all sorts of trade deals. I mean, Blunt was, you know, uh, passed a trade deal in the House that was very unpopular at the time, but, you know, whipped it, whipped the votes and got it through. Um, so I think, like, you know, and of course, like, you know, Moran and Roberts coming from an ag state trades a big deal to them. And they have a lot of supporters, both in the Farm Bureau and all the commodity uh, trade associations. Um, and, you know, I just find it really hard to believe they'd be on board with um, raising tariffs or getting involved in a trade war with China. Like, yeah. what, 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 Scott, what do you think uh, comes first? Because I think one of the things about trade or or any of these issues and where a Kevin Yoder or a Roy Blunt comes down is, when it when it sort of comes up, how it's sequenced. If trade comes up a year from now, it's very different than if trade comes up in the first two weeks, because I think a year from now, everyone will have a better sense of where Trump is and how that works. What do you think the sequence will be from the, I mean, what's the top priority over the first 100 days, 150 you know, I, days? Uh, uh, is it immigration first? Is it tax cuts? Is it Obamacare? Is it, or is he going to try to do everything at once, maybe? Well, I, I'm not going to pretend I know the answer to that. But Lindsay might have a better sense. Yeah. I mean, the, the big issue to me, I mean, I'm less obsessed with the first 100 days than the first year or so. Right. And has, where did we go on Obamacare? Is I it, think Obamacare, they've said, in Congress is going to be like the first thing out of the gate. That they're right. Yeah, but do they do this thing where we 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 replace and repeal isn't and we, that the or we modify test? and it right. doesn't kick in until after the right. midterm isn't that elections? that the perfect test of what we've been talking about, which is Donald Trump saying repeatedly on the stump, we're going to repeal Obamacare. It's a disaster. we got to get rid of it. And now reality hits. And if we, as we sit here today, we still don't know what they're going to do with Obamacare. They don't know what they're going to do with Obamacare. Because there's two parts of Obamacare yeah. that are really popular: keeping your kids on until they're was it 25 yeah, or 26, and uh, pre-existing and pre-existing conditions. And the those problem are, is you can't keep those without right. Without they're all wrapped up in the mandate. Yeah, deal. you can't re, you can't require keep those without requiring people to buy insurance because if you don't, then you have an even worse situation of like the death spiral of people right. not buying not uh, well enough well people not buying insurance. I just think Obamacare will be a great initial. Uh, test of whether uh, Donald Trump, in essence, is driving the bus or whether uh, a thousand flowers are going to bloom on Capitol Hill and everybody goes his or her own way, and you have sort of a modified chaos with tweets and all the other things. I, I, I'm not sure he's ready for that, but I just think that's the, you know, the House members have been promising for eight years to get rid of Obamacare. They'll do that in the first week. And then, and then the trading goes on, and we'll see how it works I'm, out. My sense is they will probably delay whatever you know ramifications. Right. They'll repeal it, but they'll say it's not actually going to take effect right. till some later date. I think they'll also do taxes and immigration yeah. as well. But let's, and that, let's, let's give them credit. That would be wise policy. It would be nuts yeah. to do it. Although be, you then, can you imagine like a fiscal cliff sort of situation with Obamacare, like uh, a couple years from now, right around elections or right after? Where like well, one like, of the things I've read is that the Republicans think at that point they can put the heat on the Democratic Party 
to come to the table and do something more about health savings. They don't need the Democrats. Whatever, right? Democrats well, well, that anticipates my next right. question. We've talked about Republicans and Donald Trump. What do the Democrats do? We're a month out. We, do we have any sense at all? of how they see their path going forward, Lindsay? Um, well, I know from conversations with Claire McCaskill, for example, I mean, she's up for re-election 2018, so she's trying to, you know, she was a huge Hillary surrogate. Right, um, right. And Obama. And Obama, of course. Um, not Her numbers aren't fantastic here in terms of approval rates. Um, but uh, she's, she's basically, you know, taken this tack as have some other Democrats who are up for re-election in sort of red-leaning or red states that went for Trump, um, basically that, you know, I don't want to be an obstructionist. There are places, if there are places where I can work with Trump, I'll do it. So she mentioned um, some tax reform loopholes and also uh, infrastructure investment. Um, but of course, it, you know, she said it depends on how those end up looking, you know, because again, not, not everyone knows how this is really going to be presented um, through Congress or through Trump. So, I mean, I think she would like not to be, and so would a lot of Democrats not necessarily be seen as like, you know, just obstructionist. Although um, I, th I think there is like a lot of hard feelings over things like the Merrick Garland nomination and other feel, yeah, you know, I'm the tactics sure there are that the some Republicans. Hard feelings, right. right. So <laughs> I don't think that. Um, and you know, Cl McCaskill has indicated she's not going to stand in a way of you know just on principle on the nominations. Um, but uh, you know. I think that they are going to pick their battles. So, like I mentioned before, I think Medicare will be somewhere in the in the um, social, the sort of social safety net program, social security, uh, food stamps. These will be things that I think they're willing to go to the mat on. Um, but I think you may see some places where they could, um, you know, compromise on. Uh, uh, but again, there's a whole like left, more sort of left wing, um, liberal uh, push right now for the Democrats to give the Republicans the same treatment that the Republicans gave them during the Obama years, which is basically just like you know no, nothing no, no. happens, nothing moves with that. You know, we use the Senate filibuster rules to like prevent anything from getting through, and um, you know just like deal with the consequences. Yeah. you know, and one of my arguments has been that if the if the Republicans repeal Obamacare, it might make single payer more likely someday because in essence Democrats would come back in two or four years whenever they bounce back and say the hell with trying to compromise with these people we're going to go for what we really want although if Medicare is privatized I mean yeah, is, right right, right. No, 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 like, there's no question yeah. about it but I guess my point is Democrats have to decide whether to play with Donald Trump or be the opposition party if they were asking Scott Cannon what to do what would Scott Cannon tell them to do I mean, well, I, I think Lindsay's right that there's wisdom to picking your battles. I, I wonder if they're, you know, they're, Democrats are not a monolith. And I wonder if mm -hmm. if they can keep, sort of play that game and uh, strategically, because it only takes one right. senator to, to muck things up and well, here or there. Right. And well, there's also one of the issues is that there are, I believe, about 10 Democratic seats that are, I mean, basically, they could lose more than, they could... Uh, be at less than than forty seats, like come twenty eighteen, if people like if, if things yeah, turn the, the the, right some of the Democrats the who are up for re-election, including Claire McCaskill, again are are running for re-election in states where they're not favored or <laughs> where Trump did very well. So they're really you know it's not a good election year for them in twenty eighteen, and they have to play it carefully because you know if there's some kind of backlash against what what voters see as obstruction of the Trump administration, you know just partisan obstruction, then you could find people like McCaskill and Tester in Montana and. <laughs> Other how folks does, just out on their bumps. Claire McCaskill, though, look at the results in November when Trump wins by 19 and Blunt by three. Doesn't she take away from that a sense that her, she's not in 
in the bad shape that she might otherwise be with Trump voters, that Trump was sort of a unique presence in a state like Missouri, and that the Senate race is kind of what it's always been in Missouri, which is a 50-50. You know, she barely beat Jim yeah. Talent. She beat Todd Akin pretty you know, strongly, she, but that was a unique circumstance, too. I, I mean, she must look at those results and say, well, wait a minute. If, if, if the Republican in the Senate in Missouri underperforms Trump by 16 points— I've got a better chance than maybe I'm given credit for. I think she sees there also, and some Democrats are hopeful, but I, I don't know because I think we're sort of in a new age of politics right now. But <laughs> yes, she, they are. think the Democrats have expressed a hope that, you know, it's part of a pendulum swing, so to speak, like, you know, that, Dem that Republicans, I'm sorry, that voters, you know, every couple of years, like, just kick one party uh, to the curb and, you know, try yeah. something new. But I have this theory now um, that we're kind of in a post-ideological age of politics, like, like, Trump, I don't think, represent like, he's taken the Republican Party into an anti-trade, like, you know, anti-free right. trade position. I mean, it's not, he's not really a Republican unless right. you just sort of decide the Republican Party has been born anew as something well, completely right, different. right, right. I mean, I wrote that story. But you've also got Greetings, right? You've right. got Greetings, and, you know, I just don't know that, that the... I feel like the parties have ceased to represent what voters want, and in some ways, the it's people that are doing well, yeah, the the, the politicians or you know non-traditional politicians that are doing well are, are choosing positions that aren't actually party lines at all, and just sort of, I, I feel like they're operating outside the party system, and it's just like the party system has yet to catch up in the United States to like. See, I think, I does see that make trouble, sense? Yeah, I see trouble from the Caskill potentially. So yeah. you so you look at the blunt race, and. She's a lot, she could be perceived a lot like Blunt. In terms insider. Of, yeah, Insider's been around forever, you know, wealthy, all right. those sorts of things. And if the person that the Republicans nominate, the problem with Republicans mm -hmm. in Missouri is always beat themselves up in primaries. Right. But right. if they, you know, nominate a Greitens-like outsider, somebody who hasn't made their bones in politics yet, that would be scary Well, who would her. that be? And you I could mean, see, and, and, and if, if, you know, Blunt barely held on. Is the pendulum going to swing back or is it still swinging? Yeah. Indications are that Missouri is moving ever more to the right. 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 Well, right. you've got uh, – it's interesting, though, because, I mean, um, Kobach – I mean, sorry, I keep getting my K's mixed up. Um, but, Coster. yeah, Coster did uh, – did well. I mean, he was close um, in a race that no one thought he was supposed to be close in. And I think. You mean Candor? Yeah, Jason Candor. Sorry, Candor. God. Sorry. Running for I'm not even on my. No, of course. No, got Coster. But Coster lost. Yeah. No, um, but Candor, um, Candor was close. Uh, and I wonder also, though, um, what will happen when. Um, I mean, it's not just with McCaskill. I know that there's already, you know, several members of the Missouri congressional delegation already eyeing that seat. So, you know, potentially Sam Graves, potentially, you know, Ann Wagner, potentially Vicki Hartzler will be, you know, contending for that seat. Is there anyone outside of Washington? Because if there, if she's she's running against someone with a long record in Washington, right. um, a, that, that, it's that, not necessarily. That, yeah, it's not like running against Candor, who was, you know, someone who was a statewide official. Right. John Bruner ran, but he was an outsider, never held right. office but didn't get very far. So it's hard. But a guy like Josh Hawley, just elected attorney general in two years, he's got this sort of uh, conservative evangelical support. It, he wouldn't be 
jeopardizing his seat as attorney general to run for the Senate, he might jump into a race like that. But, I, I, you know, in my view, what McCaskill sees as her future will really determine where she and other Democrats go in the next two mm -hmm. years, because it could be that Trump would be a disaster, in which case she would have a leg up anyway in the normal second year uh, uh, after, uh, after a president is inaugurated. But boy, uh, his message just really rang a bell in Missouri. I mean, I, it's yeah. astonishing that he won by nearly 20 points here, and that certainly would cause her to be a little nervous. Okay, let I me was just going to be, oh, go, go ahead. ahead, sorry. Well, let me just, we, we need to wrap up, but I want to ask you a little bit about Chris Kobach mm -hmm. and Sam Brownback. Yeah. They've been rumored to be uh, high on the list for cabinet positions, but that rumor has been out there for a couple weeks. It seems like they're day-old bread all of a sudden. <laughs> um, <laughs> a I mean, week the, old the bread. latest I heard on Brownback was looking like um, he had been his name had been raised for um, Secretary of Agriculture. The latest I sort of rumors I heard in Washington about that was that was looking un unlikely. Um, but that, that was Republicans a, are really pushing Heidi Heitkamp out of. South Dakota, North Dakota, one of the right. Dakotas. Yeah. She's a Democrat, and they a Republican. You know, would North Dakota. Their, I, I would Dakota. be that would be interesting, just because um, it also raises the question of like Senate control. And they've also, I think, Joe Manchin um, right. from West Virginia has been raised to, as energy. So, like, if they start pulling Democratic senators out of red leaning states, that could help them in uh, 2018. Yeah, the Democrats are really leaning on those guys yeah. to stay, but maybe the, some people around. Trump are sort of saying, hey, look, we could sort of kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, so I don't know what will happen. There's other rumors going around about Brownback that, you know, he needs to basically he could have some sort of job, but he needs to decide what that would be. Um, I think that some people have raised his name as ambassador, uh, possibly right. for the Vatican, but who knows how much of this is speculative and how much of it's actually rooted in fact. But the fact that there's been a delay for both Brownback and Kobach yeah. suggests to me that, that, you know, Pompeo was mentioned right. on a Tuesday and nominated on a Wednesday, that maybe they're they're looking around a little bit the more. interesting yeah. thing with Kobach, though, is he's, you know, we talk about Trump as a cipher. He's right. he not been a cipher on immigration. I mean, he maybe hasn't been <laughs> right. stable, but he's it's been clear. <laughs> and nobody channels his thinking like Kobach. Right. And, and also, recently there was reported, you know, Kobach basically said that he was a source for Trump on his tweets about um, the voter fraud. So he may still at least be you know, making it sound like he has some kind of uh, ear of the yeah. transition team. But I, I do think like the delay, you know, means that, that obviously there's other candidates in play. I mean, I think that for um, Kobach, the question is going to be if it's a role that's like, you know, people had said maybe he was up for Department of Homeland Security, um, you know, the head of the Home Department of Homeland Security. People had speculated some role with ICE, some role with the Justice Department related to immigration. Um, but if he it's offered like a deputy role, um, the question is going to be whether it's attractive enough for him to leave um, his ambitions in the state and go to Washington and um, maybe forego, a, you know, a governor race or a Senate race. Um, in the future. I wonder if it, the, the, the delay, I, I, I see him head of Homeland Security. I, it just makes sense to me for lots of reasons. I I'm kind get of that it think, might not happen. I know as a reporter, I'm kind of hoping that happens so I get to cover but the But I wonder uh, if the, the timing hearings. is just being delayed because it'll be controversial. It'll, it'll generate right. a lot That's of That's what heat. I mean. It'll so be maybe bury from, from it yeah. behind some other story. Although I think it'll be hard to bury. I mean, I think I'm, I'm the reason I was joking about that was just because I'm, I'm imagining the uh, hearing with. Um, Claire McCaskill, who's <laughs> ranking now the top Democrat on Homeland Security Committee, would get to grill uh, to Yeah, Kobach although that's why I said, you know, any normal calculus for an incoming president would be, let's, you know, he's just too hot to handle. It's not 
not worth the agony of going through what we'd have to go through. You, you, but you sense the opposite with Trump. He doesn't care. Yeah. You know, it's just I think if he the feels, more hard line, the better, the more or the loyal the sense of loyalty, maybe. Right, um, right. He seems to reward loyalty. So if, or, you know, he, I know that Kobach has at least said that he's been advising Trump throughout the campaign. So if there's some sense of like rewarding that loyalty, like, you know, maybe we will see him uh, as head of uh, Department of Homeland Security. But I think that's looking, as you said, maybe a little less likely. I say this now, and then later today he'll be announced. So I you know I'm putting <laughs> We can always edit it. the podcast. <laughs> um, I think we're out of time. And I appreciate, Lindsay, your, uh, your chance to chat with you today. And, Scott, of course, thanks so much for your uh, participation in today's podcast. Um, we are back. We're going to try and uh, put something up on a weekly basis. So we always invite your uh, emails, comments. Tell your friends about Deep Background, and as, and as I suggested earlier uh, in our discussion, we are thinking about ways to expand this, this franchise beyond just politics. We are going to talk with other reporters of, at the Star about what they're working on in the days and weeks ahead. So um, we appreciate your uh, subscription to the uh, podcast and telling other people about it. Again, Lindsay, thanks. Scott, thanks. Uh, I'm Dave Helling with the Kansas City Star. You have been on Deep Background. Deep Background.